Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Vogue Report Exiles podcast in association with Vaux Breweries. I'm Brett Lyons Davis for Milton Keynes. On today's pod, we'll be talking all about the Gillingham game, which is happening right now, that none of us can actually see, but we are getting Twitter updates. As it's international weekend, um, we've got nothing to talk about from this weekend's game, so we were mentioning all about Sunderland ex-international players for both England, and as one of our guys on the pod today is Michael for in Ireland, Ireland as well. We've asked more Twitter questions, and you've answered, plus your branch news, and of course, now the very famous playing away. This week, though, I am joined by Michael Dunn from Dublin. Michael, how are you? All good. How are you, mate? All good. I'm very good, thank you, mate. Are you sort of um, disappointed yesterday with the Ireland result? Yeah, I was actually at the match, but probably not surprised. Like, uh, we're still looking for a striker since the Robbie Keane days. We'll give it a, we'll give it a rattle in the playoffs. See what happens. Well, fingers crossed you'll be joining us next season. We've also got Danny Roberts from Lincoln. Danny, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you for having me. Good man. And you're actually our, um, well, you're Chris Kamara today, really, aren't you? Sort of like keeping us abreast of all the news from the uh, match at Gillingham. Yeah, I mean, I quite like this. Um, nothing's happening, but Luke and I seems to be apparently having a good game, being our only kind of threat down the right-hand side. I'll, I'll keep you all updated, I guess. I, I want to know, though, whenever there's a goal, though, you've got to have some kind of, like, really excited, you know, there's a goal, there's a goal, and interrupt everything. Uh, I'll just say, I'll do the um, Martin Ac- McNally one, go, oh, my God, and then you'll have to go, go into Danny in Lincoln. Yeah, perfect. That's like we're not really practising. <laughs> and lastly, and by no means least, Chris Wynn, the saviour of this pod came in at the last minute to jump on board when no one else would. I was looking out for a hero. Chris, you're that man. How are you, sir? Well, what an introduction that is. Always a pleasure, Brett. <laughs> Good man. Thanks for joining us. I will, though, jump straight in and discuss, obviously, the FA Cup game. Now, I know a lot of people were disappointed, um, obviously, that we drew one all in the first game, winning a, a replay tonight. Obviously, I was delighted because it gives us about 15, 20 minutes of content to talk about. And even more, well, I say delighted, but more bamboozled when I saw that starting lineup. Guys, I'll, let, well, so I'll jump on with you first, Michael, but I'll just read out the, uh, the team tonight. So you've got a uh, Burgeon goal, um, what looks like a three at the back, possibly with wing backs, is how I've kind of uh, read that. So it is 09, um, Ozturk, Brandon Taylor, the Bock and Hume. Then you've got uh, Ledbetter and Power. 
and then also Maguire, what more Greg. Uh, Michael, what were your thoughts on that lineup? Oh, that three in the centre half is absolutely depressing hearing it, isn't it? Weird. It's a weird lineup for me, personally. Um, a few injury problems at the moment, though, as well, I suppose, but five at the back, I mean, football hasn't been too good so far either. So it seems a bit strange going on the defensive away to Gillingham in the FA Cup, but I'd rather us just go for it, really. But um, three at the back now. Don't like to send the box as centre half as well, is that right? That's what I've, I'm only going from like when I saw the lineup and how I kind of read it. Because I know when we played uh, Oxford, I was at that game and I think the box was part of like a, it was on the left side of a, of a three centre backs, um, which yeah. I suppose in one option it gives human 09 pace to get, you know, like like to go space forward, to get, yeah. yeah, but it's, um, it's also the middle sort of worries me, you know, I'm, Power I'm past, yeah, there's no, there's no sort of pace in that, if for me, no, whatsoever. Not very, not very mobile. Yeah, and then so you've got up front, you've got Maguire. Well, you've got, I'm, I'm, again, I'm going off, you know, sort of my own interpretation of it. So you'll have Maguire and what more sort of behind Grig making a 2 1 almost up front. Yeah, where, where do we sit with this then, guys? You know, um, you know, Danny, I'll jump with you. What's your thoughts um, on it? I think it could be then the Hume left wing, four at the back, then the Hume on the left. It, I mean, it could be the three at the back, wing backs. Give us that kind of attacking in play, but I mean we've got no one else to play really, do we? So no, well there is there is that. So you can always have like, say looking at you can have like Maguire or Watmore on the right hand side. Then CRC and then well yeah, say so Watmore on the right. Hume Maguire number ten. Maguire number ten. It could yeah. be that. So um, there's no kind of tweets to signify who's playing where at the moment. So I mean when I get my Chris Kamara updates, I'll, I'll try to let you know. But yeah, I'll probably perceive it as a. Four five one, but it could also be that three four three. And, uh, yeah. One thing I'm, I am really looking forward to though is reading the Twansies because obviously we're going doing this live as the match is on. Once the game is actually played and everybody realises what's the starting lineup is, I'm looking forward to all those tweets telling us how wrong we were, uh, sort of like what our thoughts were on it because you know, oh god, I can't believe you said Hume was a left wing back. He was clearly a winger. Um, if that is the case and you want to like complain on Twitter, my name's John Stacey. So yeah, please feel free to uh, to tell me where I went wrong there. Um, Chris, your thoughts on the FA Cup in general? Do you want to be in it? Do you want to be out of it? Where do you see this one? Well, yeah, just at the beginning, I'd like us to get to the third round. Third round is where we should be coming in. <laughs> so that's at least where I want us to go out. I'm not, um, you know, I don't think we're going to have a cup run from League One. It's certainly not anywhere near the top of the priority list. So, you know, let's uh, let's just get to the third round just to save a bit of grace and then bow out against a half-decent side and a nice home game, get the fans up for it. I, I just hope, I mean, we're just talking about formations there. I hope he, he's not messing around too much before these two home games because these, you know, starting Saturday, we've got, well, we've got these kind of Coventry and Burton, two home games in the space of four days. And I just hope he's starting to get the shape that he wants for, for those two home games. If he's still messing about with five at the back and he's kind of, you know, dipping his toe in rather than saying, this is how we're going to set up, then it just gets us a little bit worried. I want to go into these two home games nice and solid, get a plan in place. He's had the international break, so hopefully he's been working on this shape. He's been working on a plan and, you know, he needs these two home games to, to really get us going um, because we're, we're going to be quickly running out of games if we keep dropping points. No, we need back-to-back wins, actually. I do think Definitely. already we need six points on the board. And I also agree with what you're saying, that I want to get to the third round at least. I don't want a home game, though. I want to get I want a away game to, like, Spurs 
and go to like a nice big stadium. Instead of going to these Burtons and Gillinghams and I want to go back to a really big stadium for once instead of being at the little flag, you know, where we used to be and just reminisce. Yeah, there's that. But I, I want the, I want the stadium light to be bouncing. It hasn't been bouncing for too long. We need a real game to get get the crowd back in. And if we give a good performance in that one, you know, the, the, the crowds will be more up for the home games in general. We just need to get the, the noise levels up at the stadium and get going again. So a game like that would do nicely. Well, looking forward then to sort of like this weekend, Dan, uh, yeah, Danny, for yourself, where do you, you know, what, who do you, want, do you want to see starting on, on Saturday then? I say, because today's a bit, it looks like a bit of an experimental lineup. Personally, I'd, I'd say with us not playing this weekend, I'd have hoped that we'd had as many first team players in there so we can start, you know, I've mentioned it before, I, I want players to, you know, get partners and sort of, you know, your centre-backs are used to each other. I appreciate Arthur are injured today, but, you know, your you left-back and your left-winger, a partnership going with those guys. But, you know, for yourself, what do you want to see, who do you want to see starting on Saturday? Um, it's difficult to get a kind of handle on who's fit at the moment because, obviously, we've been playing with the team, starting 11, the formation. and You've got this player, is he fit, is he not? So, Lyndon Gooch falls into that category. Is he going to be fit for... Saturday because ideally we need him back as soon as possible I feel like we've really missed him since his injury we haven't really had any kind of attacking intent in our team since he's left obviously everyone is well publicised that Aidan McGiddy's really struggling at the moment or is perceived to be really struggling at the moment Duncan Watmore he runs really fast and since the Tramier game he hasn't really done much so I would say we desperately need Gooch back. So if he's fit, I'd want him in the starting eleven. Depends what Chris McGuire turns up. If he is the number 10 and running the game, then no one can really handle him. But if it's a Chris McGuire who's shirking away from the game, then he's not really worth playing on the pitch. Um, it's a really difficult one. We have, what centre-backs are fit? Are Lynch and Willis going to be ready for Saturday? <laughs> it's just really concerning. For one, right. what a certainty is on, say, Burge definitely has to start ahead of McLaughlin. 100%. Okay. Um, I think that's everyone's opinion. Right back, it depends if who's who's fit up front, but I'll probably say Luco 9, then the Hume left back, and then just keep Lynch and Willis if fit at that back four and just keep that back four the same. That's the only way that back four are going to kind of get that continuity in, in the play and know what everyone's doing. Uh, midfield, Ledbetter can't start. I mean, John mentioned it a lot in the last podcast that that he was just slow and just every second step is slowing the ball down and trying to decide what he's going to do next. And if you're playing him with a power, it's it's not going to work. So anyone but Ledbetter, it, it appears Dylan McGeoch is just not favoured. So he, I imagine he won't start. So... Power and Dobson in the centre, if Dobson's fit. And yeah, up front, it's God knows who, because every striker we have are just not very good or fat. So, yeah. I must admit, one thing you did say then, I, I was nodding away, is when you mentioned um, Gooch, because he got injured in that Tranmere game. He seems to really split the fan base for some reason, Gooch. I actually really like him. I think he offers a lot. He offers, you know, He's still not the, the complete four-round player. Sometimes he'll try and put his head down and run into a bit of a cul-de-sac. But I like players who at least... He always looks up for it. Um, and I do think he is... You know, we are, Especially this season, when he's been in the team, he's, we are a better team with him in. 
Um, Michael, I'll pass over to you. Obviously, you know, Danny went through, through the team there. Um, for yourself, where, where do you see, you know, where do you see us this Saturday? Yeah, I was kind of echoing a lot of the statements he was making there, in fairness, but uh, it was a very thorough uh, going through the team there, in fairness. Yeah, Danny, well done. <laughs> I was kind of the same. You're saying Gooch split an opinion. Um, I'd nearly be the opposite. I'm, I was never really a Gooch fan. Kind of always saw him as a bit of a headless chicken. Kind of ran up, ran up his own arse nearly sometimes, <laughs> going nowhere with it. And his end product sometimes flattered to deceive a little bit. But I think people still give me, this is not just an Irish bias, but I think people give McGeady stick. But if there's any any guy in the squad now who's going to gonna win the game for us, it is going to be McGeady. Um, so I think if he's fit, whether he's struggling for form or not, I'd have him absolutely starting. I would probably play Watmore as well on the right. Um, he might be a little bit the same as Gooch in terms of maybe running up blind alleyways, but he's direct and he puts fear of God into, into defenders because I don't think he even knows what he's going to do sometimes, which is nearly works to his advantage. Um, <laughs> absolutely, I think you have to start Thompson and uh, Power in midfield because Ledbetter is just... To be honest, he hasn't been the same player since he came back. Like he, he looks like a different player even from the few years ago at Middlesbrough. And you'd obviously hope that uh, Lynch and Willis are going to be fit because they've been quite uh, solid for us in fairness. And I mean, we haven't conceded. One thing I have to say under Parkinson, we actually haven't conceded many goals. It's nearly the other the other end where we're struggling to put a few uh, in the back of the net up front, as Danny said. Pick who you want because every single one of them are rubbish at the moment. So I don't think I have a preference. I would like to see McNulty maybe just get a bit of a, a consistent run in the squad in this starting eleven because he actually doesn't seem to be too favoured under uh, Parkinson either. Greg seems to be getting um, a lot of starts at the moment, and I don't know if that's just down to the fact that the rest of them are not fit. And I, 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 get, I get the impression of Greg that it, it's, it's almost like if I keep playing him enough, he'll score eventually. Yeah. And then it'll just snowball and it'll, everything will click into place with him. You know, he's sort of playing him against like lesser, so-called lesser opposition and it's still not working for him. Um, I've been hoping for that since the start though. Like since he came last year, every time he gets a goal, you're thinking, oh, now the run's going to happen. The run's going to happen after the next goal. But like, I mean, he, he scored he scored against Burnley in the cup, wasn't it? Yes. I was just, yeah, and I was thinking after that now, that's good. Premier League goal in the cup now. This is your chance to get on a run, but I, it just it hasn't happened for him. He started against Bolton, I think, the week the, that weekend, and he was he was useless up front. But to be fair, the whole team was useless that day. I was over at that game. I just couldn't believe how poor Grigg was up front. His movement for a guy who's kind of known for his movement in the box, he just it's just not there at the moment. Like I don't know if it's confidence or what it is. It just seems completely disinterested. No, it is a very strange one, Chris. So we've had two quite different opinions there. So. Um, you know, McGeady in, McGeady out, uh, Gooch in, Gooch out. Where, where are you seeing this? Yeah, lads, there is a few points there. I mean, for Lyndon Gooch, this is what, um, thinking back, this is his third full season, really. I mean, you could probably say that under Coleman, um, he started to come through. Uh, and, well, you could maybe argue with kind of Grayson just before that. So probably his third full season, really, as a first-team player in the first-team squad. So... I mean, it's not a huge amount of experience, but he should be kind of really establishing himself now. And I think the jury, fair to say the jury's still out on him. But it, I think in those three years, he's really only had, I'd say, in my opinion, kind of five months really good form. And that was the beginning of last season. 
So from August, I think he came out the blocks. I mean, that the, the first day of the season, Charlton getting that last minute goal. Uh, you know, his tail was right up at the beginning of the season, and he really got off to a flying start last season. Um, and he was creating on the on the wing. He was, uh, you know, he, he was getting in, uh, into the box. He was scoring some goals. He was getting into some good positions. He was one of the first kind of players down on the team sheet, I think, for Jack Ross between kind of August and December last year. And kind of mirroring what what the team did as a whole, he just kind of nosedived after Christmas and kind of just disappeared. I know mean, I think he picked up an injury or two, and I know I think he had a um, he had his first child as well. So I think I think all those kind of things affected him. But he's just never picked up since then. Um, if we get that Lyndon Gooch back, then obviously, in, especially the way he was playing in last season and the impact he was having in terms of assists and goals, then you know I can't I can't wait to see that again. But I just hope it's a when and not an if we see it again. And then you kind of mentioned McGeady, Michael, and I know you did mention it's not it's not again an Irish bias, but I mean just on pure talent. I think in the in the piece we we put up today about people's views are whether McGeady should be starting and, and etc. and things like that. And and I put in there that you know McGeady is probably the most talented player in League One, and I'm not sure many people can can argue against that, but he's just not showing it. And, and he, I can't remember. Really, you know, last se- towards the end of last season, he was showing it in kind of glimpses, but he was just fading out in games and disappearing. And if you play him um, kind of left midfield, the problem is you're putting your fullback under so much pressure because he's not going to double up on wingers and things like that. So your your left backs basically needing a centre midfielder to come across because McGeady's just not going to do that. If you put McGeady behind a, a, a striker, at times he, he's shown he can maybe do that, but he's not mobile enough to to be an option for, for the midfielders on the ball all the time. So he kind of disappears from there as well. He seemed to me that the most effective um, kind of way of utilising McGeady this season has been from the bench, where you bring him on for the last 20 minutes when the league one kind of defenders are tiring and you stick McGeady on, he takes a few players on and he can kind of knock one right in the far corner or something like that. But I think McGeady being McGeady, he's not going to like that. He's He's... Not, his heart's not going to be in it coming off the bench in League One and it's about how you, his Parkinson got the man management skills to to kind of cope with that so I think that's going to be a story that's going to unfold throughout the season with Parkinson and McGeady because I'm I'm not sure um, anyone will come in and take his wages or, or buy him from us so it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out and then the third one I was going to mention was Will Gregg you mentioned Will Gregg I've got a feeling that uh, and could be completely off the mark but I think Will Gregg was probably part of Parkinson's interview process. I would imagine that one of the questions will have been from, you know, Meth and, you know, whoever it was, Donald or whoever was on that panel, would have been, you know, we have got a problem in terms of Will Gregg up front and to get him started, or what are you going to do about it? And he's probably given some sort of answer that's helped him get the job and to deploy whatever plan he's got for Gregg, he's got to play him. So, you know, otherwise, if he just gives up on Gregg, then if he has given this spiel about, oh, you know, I'll get him going and I'll, you know, he'll find the net again under me and all this sort of stuff, then he's under pressure if he just suddenly gives up on that project and goes with the other strikers. So he just keeps persevering with them. And and I, I think I agree. I think, um, sorry, I can't remember what it was Danny or Michael who, who said, uh, I think McNulty's our best striker at the moment, but doesn't look all that fit. So I think he needs a run of games as well. So. I don't know whether that. About, I don't know whether that spill was positive or negative. But <laughs> I, really... I saw the Coventry game, Portsmouth. Sorry, um, it was a Sky game, and McNulty was absolutely 
everywhere. And I think it was actually, he got injured, if I remember rightly, about 20 minutes to go. Um, and Charlie White came on for him. But he was just nonstop harassing and like chasing players down. And he, at the time, he looked everything that, he was doing everything that Will Grigg wasn't doing. And so he picked that injury up and he was out for a few games. And I think, again, one of the guys said that he's never sort of got a run of games going. And he does look a little bit out of shape. You know, I think that's everyone can, can see that. But, you know, I would like to see him get three, four games, you know, and see what he can do. Because I don't think, I think there's definitely something in there, but we're not really seeing it at all at the moment. But I will move on from the the game this weekend. And one thing that we have been doing over the last few weeks is speaking to different branches of exiles around the country. In fact, we even had some over in uh, North America a few weeks back. And this week, we're actually, funny enough, joined by a member of the Irish branch, who you might have guessed because he's a massive Aidan McGeady fan. Michael, you are obviously a member of the uh, Irish Supporters Association. Um, what's, what's the official yeah. title of it over there? Uh, Irish Black Cats. You're the Irish Black Cats. Yeah. And so how, how long have you been a member and how long has the actual branch been going? Well, I actually I actually formed the group last February because I was just, I remember saying this before, I was bored of going over to games on my own early for the last the year before that because, as you might know, you, it's hard to come across a couple of Sunderland fans in uh, in, our, in Dublin, never mind Ireland. So we were trying to see, uh, it was just trying to suss it out who, who was around. So... I just set up a Twitter page, got in touch with the club. Chris Waters was very good in fairness. He helped me out getting set up, as did James Wallace. I put it out on Twitter, Facebook, and the response was fairly good, to be fair. Now, we had our first meet-up for the the Bristol Rovers uh, Cup semi in a pub in town. I think we got 15 or 16 lads there. It was a mixture of um, lads from the northeast and then just Irish lads who supported Sunderland. And they all said the same things like, God, I didn't know there was another one of me in, in in Ireland. Like so, it actually was great. So since then, we've kind of we've got bigger and bigger. I think there's about 40, 40 45 of us now. And um, to be fair, there's there's a good chunk of us that would go like semi regularly to games. I've been to four games this year, and some of the lads have been to a couple more. I know there's actually three of them going to the Coventry game on Saturday. So I give a shout out to Gary, Aiden, and Dan that are going over on Saturday. Um, if you see them with the flag, go over and say hello. They're, they're, so we've we set up for about a year, um, just over, just under a year now, and it's it's going quite well. Like we have a few socials. We're in the middle of setting up an, a five-a-side astro team for the lads in Dublin as well. And um, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So we're all over social media too. Nice, that's brilliant. And it, one thing it is like really good is even when we're doing sort of this pod and people have like message and so forth. And I always say there's so many like Sunderland fans dotted about. Like even I say, even us four guys talking now. So you've got you know Lincoln, Sheffield, Dublin, and Milton Keynes. You know there, there's literally pockets of Sunderland fans everywhere, and it is great to meet up. And I know a lot of you know it is difficult when you do feel like you're the only Sunderland fan in the village. So you know so if you're over in Ireland, you know give the guys a call. You know get, get going to it. So they're, they're all over social media. Um, what's the Twitter handle that you're on? Uh, at Dublin underscore cats. So Dublin underscore cats. Get in touch yeah. with the guys. Um, and I say, because how many games do you reckon you get to a set? Like, is, is, is it most games you, you're, some of your guys are over with? Or how, yeah, how many games generally. So, I mean, there was a couple of us over at Shrewsbury. We, we actually met Richard with Shrewsbury. And um, then there's a few lads, there's three lads going to Coventry on Saturday. 
I think I'm I think I'm going to Gillingham away the league game first week of December. Um, and then there's a few going to I know there's a few going to Blackpool as well. And obviously there's a load of us going over to in February to Ips to the Ipswich at home because of the whole international branches meet up that weekend. Um, so that'll be interesting. But just to say as well, if there's anyone in Dublin over the um the weekend of the Blackpool game at home, we're having a kind of a Christmas do for any it can be for any Sunland fans that are around at the time. Um do by all means meet we we'll be meeting in Murray's Bar in O'Connell Street. That'll be on Twitter. And um it's great though because to be fair, I'd be writing we have a WhatsApp group, I'd be writing in saying, Oh, how many lads are coming out tonight to watch the game? I remember the last one was the ports at one on telly. And you might think you're only expecting ten and then you get there and there was I think there's another seven or eight people that were just over from Sunderland for the weekend in Dublin. So you actually realise that the Twitter and the Facebook messages that you put out are actually there's actually people reading them that are coming to the meetup. So by all means follow us on the social media and we'd love to see you here. Over in Dublin when you're over. Dublin underscore cats. Yeah, and there were just Irish Black Cats on Facebook and Irish Black Cats on Instagram. Perfect. Get in touch with the guys. Now, one thing, um, obviously, we normally saw speak at the game previously from like, this previous weekend. Obviously, there was no game. Danny, any news uh, at the Gillingham game? Nothing. Apparently, no shots on target from both sides. So, it feels like we're really missing a really good game here, lads. I'm, I'm, I'm destroyed. Half time now, is it? Yeah, it's half time, nil nil. <laughs> Half time and nil nil. That sounds terrible. I think, I think the most interesting thing is is uh, Gillingham media team, Gillingham's uh, Twitter, have a really random badge they've used for Sunderland. I mean, it's the same badge, but they've got an extended bridge on the badge. And I mean, just go have a look at it. When you see, when you hear this, just have a look, and it's just a random badge. The, I don't know where they've got it from. What do you mean? So when where we've got like, the red and white stripes in the corners, it, it goes over to that bit. Do you mean? Yeah, so we've got the bridge on the right-hand section of the badge. Mm. It goes over to the left-hand side as well, so it branches out. It, it's odd. So go uh, have a look at it. How the mighty have fallen. Yeah. <laughs> Just Right, lads, I, I've got one for, for you, actually, um, from today. And here's a shameless plug for, for a piece on the site. But I put up a piece on the site today about, um, about judging Phil Parkinson on how he's uh, currently doing in the role. I was quite surprised on Twitter some of the well i probably shouldn't be surprised at some of the reaction on twitter but but i was quite surprised by a lot of the reaction <laughs> simply saying that parkinson has to go now and even though I'm, i kind of i don't think i was his biggest fan beforehand and I'm, I'm not particularly a big fan of his appointment and he hasn't getting off to the best start i'm not sure kind of chopping and changing this soon is is the answer but i mean in terms of judging Phil Parkinson in his brief spell with us so far and how you think you know things might pan out and how long we should give him before we fairly judge him or even you know as some people say give him the axe what have you guys got any thoughts on on Parkinson's win so far and and where we go with that um the thing what people have to realize is he's only been in the job for what is it now a month and the biggest gripe every single Sunderland fan I can see has at the moment is the fact that the recruitment has been absolutely diabolical. There's no cohesion in the squad. No one bounces off each other. They don't. It's not a team. It's a squad full of individuals that don't really play well together. There's no pace in the team. There's no physicality in the team or athleticism in the team. And that isn't Phil Parkinson's problem. That Well, it is his problem, but it's not his fault. Um, 
he needs to get to January and we need reinforcements. Everyone's saying, oh, we would have been better off not uh, keeping Jack Ross after all this week's crap. Jack Ross is the man who had absolutely no prior knowledge of Football League, the English, the English Football League. He didn't have a clue who he wanted to sign. It was down to Tony Coton coming up to him and saying, oh, this player's good. Do you want him? Oh, no, actually, I'll have this guy instead. Well, why are you saying that, Jack? You, you don't really know how this player's going to adapt. If Jack Ross stayed, we would have been in the same situation in January where we would have bought the wrong players to fit his system because he wanted carbon copies in every single position. And he, he said that in his interview. He said, I'm happy with everyone in the team. If one comes out, his carbon copy can come in. That's not how you build a football team. You get a mix of players who suit different types of games especially in League One where you need physicality. I, I don't know which player in our team apart from maybe Lynch who has any kind of physicality. So it's... Well, Danny, it, just, just to butt in for a second there, just, yeah. just to come in on that. I mean, you were talking about that the team were in chaos and kind of all over the place and that's, that's not down to Parkinson. But, I mean, just to play devil's advocate for what, what you said there, two defeats in 14 doesn't suggest that the players weren't playing as one kind of cohesive unit. This, that sounds pretty solid if if you're only getting beat twice in 14 games. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree you've, to you've that. Got, I mean, I think I think you know Ross had his faults, but I'm not sure what one of them you can throw at them is that they weren't playing as a team because two defeats in 14 suggests that actually they might not have been hammering teams, but they were churning out results. It might not have been as good as we wanted, but they weren't getting beat. I felt, and I think a lot of some of the fans felt it was kind of backs to the wall, kind of. We scored, we'll defend. And I know he's came out and said that's fake news and all that. But it always felt like that. We would go ahead and we had nothing really on the attack. We couldn't really counter. I know Phil Parkinson's play is very direct, getting into the channels and whipping balls in. But wingers-wise, I know we've got Aidan McGeady, who's fantastic. In Well, he should be fantastic in this league. Um, there's no real pace. We can't get forward. We haven't got a deep-lying midfielder who can, like a brick shithouse in that kind of hole where he can get us out of trouble. Obviously, we're in League One, so not every player is going to be fantastic and it's getting ahead round, or everyone's getting ahead round that players we have in League One aren't fantastic. Um, but I still think the recruitment has been terrible. Uh, we've went through how many centre-backs now? Eight centre-backs? And that's all Jack Ross and Tony Coton and... <laughs> I just feel like I don't with Parkinson. Carry on, sorry. Sorry, I was I was gonna echo your statements. I don't think you can you can judge Parkinson uh, without even giving him a transfer window because I think the philosophy of how he's going to play is going to be quite different to how Ross wanted to set up his team. And I think defensively we have improved. The fact of the matter is, is that the players Ross bought, the strikers he bought, are have become absolutely toothless. And in hindsight, the only reason we were anywhere near promotion at the end of last season was for the goals that Maja had got us up until January. So I I think anyone who's suggesting that Parkinson has to go now, you can never judge a manager until he can put his own stamp on a team. And Parkinson hasn't even been given that opportunity yet. I actually think that was always going to happen with Parkinson. Um, the issue was, I, I was, I 100% agreed that Ross had to go. Um I think the issue has been that because he wasn't an immediate fan's choice, he's he's never had he never had this honeymoon like 
period or, you know, this spell of grace where, you know, a couple of results have gone against him and all of a sudden he's getting absolutely hammered for it. Now, you know, what, what are you going to do? You, you, you know, should he be sacked now? Of course he shouldn't. That's ridiculous. Exactly what Mike was just saying there. You know, you've got to give the man January, you know, to get, his, get some of his own players in. Um, you know, and what, what do you do if you do sack him now? Get another manager in. Once he loses his next two or three games, sack him after that. Exactly. You've got to be... You, you've made your decision. Also, we haven't made the decision, but you know this, the club has made the decision that Parkinson's the man to take us forward. You know, given the chance to do it, you know, and the games he's lost, obviously a couple of been cup games that no one wanted to be in anyway. So, but yeah, you know, our results been ideal recently. No, of course, Evan. You know, no one is saying they are, but you know, yeah, give the man a chance to at least, you know, start implementing things. Give him January to bring some players in. So yeah, you know, I completely disagree with them comments saying he needs to be sat now it's just right I think another thing is yeah. just to point in is I don't think Jack Ross would have beaten Wickham I don't think Jack Ross would have beaten Shrewsbury I mean to be fair Shrewsbury how many times did we hit the post and should have scored Aidan McGeady missed two absolute sitters we we dominated that game but I can't see Jack Ross after getting hammered and I mean absolutely hammered by Lincoln City we were off, played off the park Jack Ross wasn't going to take someone to Wickham Wanderers and win or draw. It wasn't going to happen. So Parkinson, Parkinson's losses are just the same as what Jack Ross would have got. So mm-hmm. it's either trust a man, a new man, to get a transfer window correct when he gets the chance and accept that Jack Ross wasn't the man. And, and bizarrely enough, I mean, you just mentioned Wickham and, and Shrewsbury. And actually in terms of th- you know taking into account that was aware and who the opposition were, those two were actually... I think our most impressive performances under Parkinson, because especially Wickham, I thought we were we we were unlucky at Wickham. We were a good team, and we went there and, and we lost one 0 and we should have gotten something out of the game. Tranmere were just awful. I think yeah, most teams are going to beat Tranmere. Most teams are going to beat Southend, but actually the two league games we've actually lost were probably two games where we've looked like a better team than we were under Ross. I'll, I'll disagree with you on the um, the Wickham one there. I didn't think we played at all well at Wickham um, the other game the Shrewsbury game we'd be, I think we hit the post twice or three times maybe um, I, thought, I thought we were, we were unlucky then but I must admit, I think because Wickham was after he's been there two game, two days I think it was yeah um, yeah. I, I, I did think that was a really poor performance against um, Wickham myself but yeah, so we agreed to disagree on that one yeah but I was just surprised by the kind of barrage of, of messages just saying Parkinson out and it just seems this early on to to start calling for a change this soon. I mean, what, what chance do we stand if we're, if we're kind of going down that route all the time? I guarantee you the, the team we have by the 1st of February will be a completely different outfit to the teams now uh, playing. I mean, we were talking earlier about even McGeady. Uh, is he going to be a Parkinson player? I I, want, I was going to meant to say earlier on, I actually think, I don't know who said it, but I'd be fairly certain that McGeady will be phased out of the squad as well. Um, because I don't think he's the kind of player that Parkinson wants, and I think give the man a chance, give him to give him January to get his players in, and I think you'll see a different animal come February. I just it's people saying on Twitter he has to be sacked now. It's just this culture that's there at the moment. You can't give anyone a chance. Um, but I'd say yeah, absolutely give him give him January, and you'll see, you'll definitely see a new team by after the transfer window. I'd say. Yeah, I think just to add on to that. Um, we just need to get to January and we need to get to January in the playoff spots or near enough, close enough to the automatics. 
and then we'll make our assault in the, in the new year. That's the only thing we need to do. We're three points off third with two games in hand. Well, we were. I haven't seen the table recently, but we're not in a bad position. Nice one. We'll get promoted. Simple as that. Um, one thing I do want to mention, say, because there was no game, it was a England game when you went the Nationals this weekend. I just want to quickly get your guys' thoughts on, on supporting on the national team. Um, and obviously... Both you know for England and Ireland, Sunderland have had quite a few players. Bizarrely, Michael, I don't know if you know this, but while, while I was googling Sunderland Irish players, some, did you know that Sunderland are the most Irish side of, in the Premier League? Uh, this is a fact up to 2017. So, so we had <laughs> the surprised. most. We had the most Irish, and this is both um, Northern and Southern Ireland. Uh, but we had the most Irish players out of any Premier League team. So obviously, football started in 1992. Yeah. Under Roy Keane, he bought the whole squad. <laughs> oh, we had a lot. Of, I was going through the list, actually, um, of who we had um, for Ireland, say, for Ireland and England. And obviously, there's loads for Ireland. So even as recent as like Jimmy Dunn and Mark Wilson, Aidan McGeady. We had, obviously, David Mailer, personal favourite, Andy Reid. Used to love him. Um, Don't forget yeah. Shaggy, Paul McShane. He's on the, he was literally the next person I was about to say, Paul McShane. And then some really random rubbish ones like Roy O'Donovan, which might explain why. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that little stat. Um, obviously, all the way back down to uh, the real king, Charlie Hurley. But no, it was quite, it was quite an interesting read, actually. Good facts, yeah. No, so, it's, it's a, bit, well, yeah, a little fun fact for you, to, you know, next to your Irish uh, Black Cats meet-up. Um, mm-hmm. For England, since 92, is, is quite sparse. Obviously, we've got Kevin Phillips, uh, Mickey Gray, McCann. With his one cap. Do you know who um, who picked Gavin McCann for any chance? Which manager? Eric Ericsson. It was Ericsson. It was Ericsson's first game where he picked a lot of random players, um, and Gavin McCann being one of them. Um, Darren Bent, probably the most, uh, probably the best uh, England international to come from Sunderland. Jordan Henderson, um, and then obviously we've claimed Danny Welbeck, uh, Fraser Campbell, and Jermaine Defoe. So uh, we've not done too bad for strikers actually, Sunderland over the last sort of. 15, 20 years for England. Did Fraser um, come play for England? Yeah, he, he had one game. Um, oh, my God. I think, if I remember rightly, he went for a stage him? where he had, he came back from injury under O'Neill um, and he scored that wonder goal v Norwich. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that. he got in the team on the back of that. I think he came on as a sub, like maybe played like 20 minutes or something, but it's a cap, it counts. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, uh, last, um, you know, Jermaine Defoe. So, one thing I was sort of thinking about earlier, though, like being in exile, um, for me, I actually quite like England games because supporters being, being, as I said, being the only sort of Sunderland supporter in the village, none of my mates support Sunderland. So they're all like Arsenal fans or Spurs fans. And they'll all go, like, go down the pub together and watch Spurs or Arsenal play, but yeah, no one wants to come down to me. But for England games, is the one time I can actually get, you know, support the same team as my mates, which is quite a sad little first. <laughs> A sad little thing I noticed. Yourselves, guys, what, what do you feel about England? You know, are you bothered by England games? Um, Chris, is that something you ever get? You know, I'll say it's in the national weekend this weekend. So I don't watch them. Well, the, the problem is with games like the, the qualifiers. It's just it's not that it's not that attractive to me watching games that you know that one sided. I mean, the first one I can't even remember what, what was the score, final score six seven. I, I don't even know what the f- I, I, I don't watch any of the games either this weekend. Yeah, I mean I mean what's what's the point? I mean I'd rather watch I mean don't get us wrong, if we win, you know, brilliant, you know, get on with it. But 
I mean, you're going to watch a game that you know you're going to. It's going to be one sided. It's going to be one team backing the other into the corner, and then it's just how many goals they're going to score. It's not all that entertaining. I'd rather see a competitive game. And uh, as sorry, I'm just seeing a message. Is it two nil? Are we winning two nil? If we are, Danny and Lincoln. (laughs) If we are, it's only just happened. So let me have a look. That might be a different game, but. No changes at half time. We're back underway. Twenty seven seconds ago, yeah, there's no yeah. goals. Don't worry. Must be. I must be saying a message for a different game. Anyway, yeah. So England, yeah, yeah. It doesn't bother me, but I'd rather see compet. I'd rather see competitive games. And I, I really, I mean, sorry, Michael. I don't. I really don't want to bring this up again. But I actually really enjoyed watching the Ireland one last night. Was you were kind of getting nervous towards the end, even though I, you know, I, I wasn't kind of into it either way. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Ireland qualify, but I can't, you know, I'm not kind of a, a fan or anything. I'm not like a huge fan or anything like that. But because it was competitive and there was something at stake, it was brilliant to watch. Yeah, so qualifiers, like, and especially the, the dead rubber the other day that we'd already, already qualified and I'd, I'd rather do something else, to be honest. Fair enough. Danny, I'll ask the same question. I'm, I'm literally only asking these questions because I've done some homework and printed off some like players that paid for England. <laughs> I, w- I want to make my, my time useful. Danny, do you watch the qualifiers? I had them on. Wasn't anything really interesting. Echo the same sentiments, really. I think the friendlies, it's difficult to really have any kind of interest in them because we're playing against crap nations who we should really beat. Um, I think when the World Cup comes around, it's exciting, isn't it? You get swept up for a fever. It's that uncertainty as well. You're not the best team. It's that, are we going to win? Are we not going to win? Are we actually going to do something in this tournament? It is just something that I think it's that uncertainty about the football that makes it really exciting and compelling. And the friendlies just don't do it for me. We're playing players who probably aren't going to really get to the under 20, in the 23-man squad trying out different things and I mean yeah people enjoy it and it's football to watch that's why I have it on but it's just something on in the background whilst I'll probably be on my phone or on my laptop it's, yeah boring well to go from a uncompetitive game to a ultra competitive game it is time for playing away now I have picked a game and this game is from the 17th of November 2002 now, just to run a quick run, uh, recap of the rules, the guys take it in turns to pick a player from the starting 11 from that game. They have two lives. They pick a wrong player or pass, they lose a life. If they name a sub, they get another go. Winner is the last man standing. In result of both losing a life on the same go, sudden death, if all players named while two or more are still in, all get a point. So last week, they actually cleared the, they did the whole 11. Um, so all three of them got a point. If you're the last man standing, you get two points. Uh, scores are kept to the end of the season, and we see who comes out on top. So at the moment, Niall is on two points. Um, Chris, you yourself, uh, John Stacey, and who was it? Bomber all have one point. So the game is Liverpool nil, Sunderland nil on the 17th of November 2002. Now, I always like to give a little, like, a little clue. I think, I think it does help. We were wearing our light blue Nike kit um, with the Reg Vardy sponsor. Uh, light blue shirt with white shorts. We drew nil-nil. Um, I also give the manager. The manager was Howard Wilkinson. Um, so this is actually one of his better results, um, if I'm yeah, honest. Um, <laughs> Danny, I've got well. you to go first. 
So it was Sunderland nil. Sorry, it was Liverpool nil. Sunderland nil. Going to go for the easy one, Kevin Phillips. Straight away, Kevin Phillips is there. Yes. Uh, Chris, you're next. Well, as soon as you said Howard Wilkinson and Liverpool, I remember one player having an absolute blinder in this game. And he, he, oh, don't he, take he, it off me. He basically, <laughs> <laughs> he basically he, it, was, it was like a, a one-man team. Um, it, it was, he was in goal, and it was Jürgen Macho. 100%. This was one of those games where they Liverpool could have been playing till about midnight. <laughs> yeah. They were not going to get past him. Now, I, to give a bit, because I was, to be honest, I didn't want to say it beforehand, but I was give the game a bit of context. It was a Sky game. Um, and as you say, Jurgen Macho was, we, we didn't have a shot, uh, we didn't have a shot or a corner, but he stopped wave after wave of attack, um, which I think he went on to Chelsea afterwards, I believe. Um, which was pretty yeah, much off did. the back of this game. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Jurgen Macho definitely in there. So unfortunately, Michael, <laughs> he's, he's, he's nicked that one off you. Uh, absolutely raging now, because literally the only guy I could remember clearly was Phillips that was playing that game. Because um, I literally, I literally remember it as a game when Macho was unreal. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have, a, I'm gonna have to think back now. Um, did we have Stephen Wright right back then? I've got him written down. He was not playing. Um, I'm here. He was at time. Um, stop checking the subs. No, he didn't play. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. about it. So you're you got lost one life, Mike. I'm afraid. Uh, sorry, Danny, you're up next. Uh, all right. So Howard Wilkinson, he came in after Reed, didn't he? Yes. Um, Quinny had gone by then. Was that the season we replaced Quinny with? The worst number nine in the world. I think you've got it. Which one? We've had a few. <laughs> uh, he said it, so it's probably true. Uh, it's all right, Dave That's the one. He's up front with Phillips. Um, I've got another one as well now. So, Chris, you're up next, mate. Uh, I, I, actually, Danny, I know who you've got already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, you're up next. Point to take Danny's one. <laughs> 2002. Trying to think just who was around at the time. Um... Mickey Gray. Mickey Gray. He was in the team. Nice. So, Michael, you're up next. Who you got? Was Kilban playing? Kevin Kilban. He was playing. Yes. Trust, trust you to go for the Irish players. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, as it stands, everyone's... Uh, Michael's lost a life. Danny, Chris, and still have not lost any. Danny, you're up next. Uh, Marcus Stewart. Marcus Stewart was on the bench he came on so you do get another go and I knew you were going to say Marcus Stewart yeah because they the same time didn't they that's exactly it yep. so um, you've, got, you've got another go Danny uh, Mickey Gray's been sad um, someone we were talking about in the group chat actually earlier about after John Potter left oh, oh don't don't yeah. <laughs> that's exactly one I had to... uh, Gavin McCann Please, Gavin McCann, with his one cap for England, he's there as well. Nightmare, Danny. (laughs) It was from that chat as well, exactly what you've just said. That's exactly why I had him. Quick recap, we've had Jürgen Macho, (sighs) Kevin Kilban, Gavin McCann, Torbjörn Flo, Marcus, um, Kevin Phillips, Michael Gray and Marcus Stewart, who was a sub. Chris, your go. (sighs) I had Gavin McCann. I had him. He was in my back pocket. Um, 
by the way, Danny, did you have, when you went for Mark Stewart, were you thinking that Howard Wilkinson actually played three up front <laughs> at Anfield? <laughs> I said we had no shots on goal. Yeah. Well, I was thinking because Howard Wilkerson was the weirdest person ever. He used to put Stuart on the right wing, didn't he? Oh. I'm pretty sure he did. Someone did. He'd have had Torridge a right back or something. Yeah, probably. But yeah, three up front right. and fifth. Brilliant. Right. Oh, you've got four still to go. I'm, I'm only going for this one because I had him as one of the questions on the quiz this week, the weekend. And he was the main picture I had up. So that's the only reason he's in my head. So I'm going to go for a bit of a stab in the dark and I'm going to go for Phil Bab. Phil Bab's there. Yes. Now I pass it to you. You need to get this before you are out. Oh, okay. I For the last two minutes there, I just started writing a load of names down of lads I can remember from back then. All Irish. <laughs> All Irish. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, this guy was, I think this guy was very fairly underrated when he was at us. And I, I honestly don't know if he was playing if this is before or after. But um, Jody Craddock. Jody Craddock's there. What's who left? Adam ran down. I was thinking it might have been. It depends what the other defenders are now. So you've got three left, apologies. So you've got three left, not two. So you've got, so you've got, so you've got two defenders um, and a midfielder of sorts. We had Emerson Tom as a centre-back. I don't know if he was still there. We had uh, Steve Bold, probably gone. I think his legs have gone by then. The Swedish guy, I don't remember. You've got to pick somebody. <laughs> Auckland? Joe Jim Auckland's there. I doubt the two. <laughs> so, was, oh, so Emmy Tom couldn't have been there. That's so you've you got, um, I don't say, got two centre-backs. Okay. So Macho, Auckland, uh, Kilban, Craddock, uh, Bab. McCann, Flo, Phillips, Gray. Two left. Chris, it's down to you. Oh, we've got Bjorkman, Craddock, Bob, Kelban, Gray. We've got McCann. I'm trying to work out. <laughs> work out I'm trying to figure out some positions myself. He's got, he's got like three centre-offs. He's got yeah. Kelban and Gray. He hasn't McCann. We must have another centre midfield. Kelban didn't really play left-back for us, did he? I know later in his career he was a left-back. Who's the centre mid? Yeah, we've only got McCann. I actually think Danny's comments about um, Wilkinson playing random players is quite apt for one of these, to be honest. Because I can't, I'm getting in front of him, I can't work Just out. Right. Struggling for players, right? I think the only one I can really think of that would have played most games. Uh, I've got one. I've got one. Who Marker in that? So who's that? Julio Arca? Oh, no. No, Arca isn't. So Chris, you lose a knife. I think, uh, Mike, Mike, I think I've got it because of I think I have one as well. I think I have one. Guys, you want to go, Michael? Um, can you just name the lads out again? I think I'm trying to get formation in my head here. <laughs> right, so you've got Jurgen Macho, uh, Bjorklund, Kevin Kilban, Jody yeah. Craddock, Phil Babb, Gavin McCann, Torre Andre Flo, Kevin Phillips, Nicky Gray. Okay, so I think we're missing a left back. Because uh, originally I was thinking Kevin Kilban was left back. But is it another Irish guy playing left back? Well, you, you tell me. <laughs> George McCarthy. There you go. There you go. Um, George McCarthy. We've got one left, so, so I'm going to I'm so going to start rushing you guys. One player left. To so he's playing. He's playing. He's got McCann, Kilban, and Mickey Gray. <laughs> All three left-sided players. Is it my go? <laughs> it is Danny's go. Yeah. So when Sunderland played Liverpool, Platt, yeah. I remember around that time. 
I think this person scored. Mm. And if Stuart in was... The, in late, the home game. In, in the home game. Yeah. Yeah, we won 2-1. I, I, think, I think you're on something, eh? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Go on in, Danny. Who is it? It's another one of our youthies. Proctor. Michael Proctor is the last one. Come on. I didn't think he would have started that game, though. He did. Well, that's why, because I, I thought he was a striker. <laughs> the whole thing about Wilkinson. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. So, well done, guys. So, yeah, in um, 17th November 2002, Sunderland drew 0 0 with Liverpool, where they absolutely battered us and should have won about 8 0. But we've uh, so got the point with Macho, Bjorkland, McCartney, Kilban, Craddock, Bab, Proctor, McCann, Flo, Phillips, Gray. Well done, guys. So, again, you that's all a get bad point. team, to be fair. I'm so glad yeah, one of you said macho because I had Sorensen and Poom written down. Poom actually came so in much. Tuned off after that. Yeah, we signed him, didn't we? And we had him in the championship season the next season. Yeah. yeah. I've I've tried to write that those players out as we've got them in a formation so I could get other players. I've got three down the left-hand side. <laughs> I've got three up front. I've got three centre-offs. One centre midfielder. How, I haven't got a clue what he was doing. How did we draw that game? Uh, I mean... <laughs> I would have been saved because I had Stephen Wright, obviously the Macho and Puma. I would have went for both of them too. Bef- no, uh, Sorensen and Puma before I even went for Macho. So, so like the gods have been uh, shone down on me here. No, well done, go guys. I was impressed with that. Actually, that you got that. Um, but yeah, so now you're all on one point each. Um, so Chris, you're actually now uh, level with Niall at the top of the league. But obviously, it's only early days. It doesn't count at the moment. No point in looking at the league to at least ten games in. So. Um, we will move on. We have um, been uh, putting the questions out on uh, Twitter again this week. Um, and then once again, you guys come up trumps for us. So we just keep throwing out a whole way of questions. So this week's was, who is Sunderland's unluckiest and luckiest fans? So basically, want to get your um, losing and winning streaks following the lads. Um, there was questions about being in the away end, nightmare away journeys, games postponed and, and what do you do, what you did. Uh, meeting SAFC players in random non-libelous places um, and then exiles what the locals think uh, when they see you in your SAFC top and then also just any random funny stories that you want to send us um, which we didn't like um, the first sort of question what did have a lot of people coming back on who is the unluckiest and luckiest Sunderland fan and this there's a few times we've got sort of speaking in the group chat about this about basically how many games we get to and how rubbish we are um I hadn't seen us win at the stadium alike for four years. Um, thanks for that South End game a couple of weeks ago. I went to that and we saw us won that. Danny, I don't think you've have you seen us win this season yet? I don't think you have, have you? No. I can't remember the last time I saw us win away. And I think, I think that's the depressing thing about being a, like an exile. I say, because sometimes we've been through the seasons and we've only won like five, six games in a, in a, like a year and maybe two away. The issue is, I went to quite a lot of games last season. And I still can't remember last. I think I was in the Donny home end last season, and I think we won that one nil. I think that's the last game I saw us win away. But you was in the home end. Yeah. Oh, Bruce, you actually you ticked two of my questions this week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's good. That's fine, mate. Um, but yes, we had a, quite a few comments um, that had come through. Um, one guy. Uh, well, actually, first and foremost, one of the people who did um, sort of message us was Bomber from the Exiles. And I was obviously you probably heard heard him before, Bomber from Colchester, as he's known. He figured he must be the unluckiest um, fan. He's been to forty-seven games following the lads and seen four wins. Oh. Now that's 
give up. <laughs> and he, the fact that he's also, he's even made them write down what games he saw as win. So it was like Forest away, 0405, Spurs at home, um, not, uh, 2009, 2010, which was that amazing game where we beat Spurs 3-1. Um, because I was at this one as well, actually, when Darren Bent scored, I think he scored, he missed two penalties, and he must have scored two, and Zenden scored a wonder volley and then Anton Ferdinand also scored a disallowed did a Michael Jackson dance so he's too fair to me he did see a really good game but that's only one of his four wins and then also Bristol Rovers away and Doncaster at home they were both um 2018-2019 and quite apt actually but from what the um, playing away game was he's got an 8.5 percent win percentage still better than Howard Wilkinson that was his own words <laughs> <laughs> but imagine imagine how much he celebrated a win that's how often you see it. Oh, that's just, it's just depressing. So, so when the Exiles group do our next road trip again, no one invited that guy. Jesus. Um, no. other, other people who came in, Phil King. Um, now, I didn't. I need to try and work out how old Phil is because he's basically, I didn't see the lads win until just before my 33rd birthday. Exiled in Hampshire from age eight. Uh, never saw them win at Roker Park and first win was Tuesday, 10th of August, 2004 at Stadium Light. Won 3-1 v Crew, Robertson, Stewart and Elliot scoring. Seen plenty of draws and embarrassing defeats all the shot away. Again, that because if, if he saw his first game at eight and he's not seen a win since he was 33, that's 25 years. Now that's, again, it just boggles <laughs> the mind. Luke Huggan, between beating NK Dons in August 2013 and beating Notts County December 2018, every time I went to the match, I didn't see the lads win once in five years. Um, again, it's I think that's just a just the disappoint like the depressing thing, not a very disappointing thing, that's with Sunderland. Like the Premier League season where we went down, I went nine games that season. We lost all nine and I didn't see a score a goal. So like I didn't even I didn't even celebrate anything. One guy though who is a bit more lucky. Well, at least he was, was um, John Lambert, who, as a kid, he didn't see Sunderland lose in his first 12 games. So, you know, he must have thought at the time it was always like this. You know, how disappointed now he's a grown man and we're rubbish. One of the questions was games postponed. And Michael, you've got a story, but you've got a couple of stories, I believe, on this one. Um, yeah, two stories. I don't know if you remember, the, you probably do, the, we were to play Bolton under Steve Bruce just after Christmas. Um Oh, it was like 9th of January or something, so it was just early in the new year. And um, it was snowing everywhere, like it was snowing all over England and Ireland at the time. We actually walked around out for that, that occasion, was that the, we, we got up in the morning to go to the match, and both the game and the flight were cancelled, so we kind of, that was all right. But the worst one was um, we were going, we went to Reading under Martin O'Neill, first home game of the season. So got the flight over, you know, you have that, you have that, Early early season enthusiasm, you know, it hasn't gone shit yet, like it does most seasons, especially when we were in the Premier League. So, because I think it was the year we just signed uh, Fletcher, and um, so we got to, we were staying in Seaburn, just in a, one of the B and Bs beside the Roker Hotel, and we were, um, we got up and looked out the window. My dad just turns to me, and goes, "This game's hardly going to be called off because it was absolutely lashing rain." And I was like, "I oh, know, sure, even a bit of rain, like it'd be grand. It'd just be really wet." Because yeah, yeah, it'd be grand. And uh, we went into the Roker Hotel about half, about a quarter to two then. We were like, why Why is there no Sunderland fans in here? And I just turned to the barman and was like, is it, why, is, why is there no fans here? It's usually packed here. He goes, the match is off. And we just looked at each other and we go, you having a laugh? 
So literally all we could do was just sit in the pub and watch the games for the afternoon. But like, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it's just so frustrating when you go and you travel over and you rock up for the game and you just like called off. Uh, it was a, not a nice experience, I have to say. And what I was think... you thinking though? Was it, was, that what, was it Rihanna got so, the blame Something about it? the concerts, wasn't it? They blamed, they blamed, the, they blamed the, um, the contest for the, the pitch not being in good nick or something. Was it something like that? Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't get games called off in August I think I got caught by that game as well you know I came up for I think it was at the start of the season and the game was it was lashing it down all day you know thinking this can't get called off can it can it and it got called off it was typical but it was the only game in England called off that day as well so it had to be the pitch like you know it's in the from the, from the concert like well, I actually remember that because that game in at home, like well, Dan Milk Keynes, it was sunshine all day, and no one could understand why a game was being called off a couple hundred miles away because, <laughs> because of a waterlogged pitch. Yeah, it was a farce. <laughs> oh, no. um, one of the other questions was that we're meeting players in random places. Now, John Lambert, he also wrote it again. So we had two, and one was that he met Niall Quinn at Wembley, which isn't that a random place but still we'd all like to meet Quinny the other one though he sent in was I kept bumping into Michael Reddy in random places to the point he asked us if we are stalking him which I like that because that is a random player Michael Reddy so yeah happy days next one was also Bill, Char- uh, Bill Pritchard who on his first trip to Sunderland when he was five met Dickie Ord who needs cancer he was withdrawing money from a cash point and I went over and tugged on his sleeve for a photo and a signing so there we go then. If you have any stories, and again, what I always say is we want them really, really random. So find us on Twitter on the Rogue Report podcast or the Rogue Reports Twitter. But before we go, I must one bit of branch news, and that is from our friends uh, at NASA, the North American Supporters Association. Next weekend, when the lads play commentary, fans in uh, they've got basically getting together in Barrie, uh, Ontario, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Carolina and New York City. Um, find the details on the Facebook page. But that is it, gentlemen. Danny, it's been a pleasure. Any goals yet? Nah, uh, looks a bit boring. No, no. Aidan McGeady's came on for Duncan Watmore. 71 minutes played. And apparently the only interesting thing Gillingham have to tweet is the fact that their players have run around. Great. We've missed nothing. Um, yep. Chris, thank you very much for your time, mate. Always a pleasure, Brett. Thank you very much. And saving the pod for coming in last minute because no one else did. Um, and Michael, again, thank you very much for being on, mate. Turn on. Cheers, mate. Enjoyed it. Speak to you all soon. Thanks for listening. Cheers, uh, Brett. We, cheers, guys. We are cheers. done. Cheers. Thanks for that. Oh, I couldn't get words out of my mouth saying North Carolina. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, in. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.